What's up, everybody? TK here from TK's A Brigade, Sunday, March 13th, 2022. I got my man Corbin sitting here. What's up? About to get into some things and talk about life. So a couple of weeks ago, we went out as a group for dinner and we sat down at the same table. And uh, while we were waiting for our food, started talking about life and where we came from, how we grew up. And one of the things that I had learned about Corbin is he kind of came from a religious family, right? Religious? Yeah, yeah. I would say I would say religious for sure, yeah. And your dad's a pastor? Yeah, uh, as of right now, former pastor. Um, definitely something that he wants to get back to at some point, but um, yeah. Okay. See, that's cool. I, I grew up with uh, a family back home. I'm from Iowa. Uh, my man Corbin here. Where are you from? I always say Midwest, but I, okay. I claim Minnesota as, as the main ah. spot. Oh, that's a rival right there for me already. Um, so, yeah, I, I, came, I came up in Iowa, and um, my head pastor at my church, growing up, he had five kids, and one of his kids is one of my, my best friends. And so we always dubbed him the pastor's kid. Yeah, putting labels. And so having a conversation with Corbin at dinner, you know, I just kind of got to know him a little bit better. Kind of the dialogue got a little deeper. And so I asked him, I said, hey, man, I'd love to sit down with you and just talk about some things that, uh, you know, you've experienced in your life. I mean, we all have a story, so I'm excited to hear your story. So that's what we're going to do today. So uh, first question I have for you, man, is um, what denomination did you grow up in? So it started out as Baptist. We went to, at least while my dad was going through seminary, a church called Prior Lake Baptist Church. And so I don't have too many memories of, or recollections of that, other than maybe like a few like hallways or <laughs> rooms in the building. But it was more of like the you know, suit and tie, more on the, the dress, like business formal side of things in terms of just like your everyday Sunday service. Um, yeah, so that's that's where it started. And then it eventually came to where it is now where we're more on the the non-denominational side of things um just in terms of, of church itself okay nice yeah see i grew up in a i guess you call it non-denominational as well i mean we definitely had some uh different foundational beliefs from other churches in town um not good or bad not saying you know there's anything wrong with um having different denominations i was just curious because um, i actually went to a um a Pentecostal focused church, right? Which is uh, interesting because if you, if anybody that's listening knows anything about the Pentecostal church, uh, they're very very passionate about a lot of things. And not to say that other denominations aren't, but those those, those guys definitely, um, yeah, they love to bring the heat uh, about ninety nine point nine percent of the time in church, which is cool. I I never had a problem with it. I just it's it's interesting when like you know my wife grew up as a Lutheran. And they're very formal, and they're uh, they're very subdued um, with you know their worship and you know the message and stuff, which again is not a bad thing. It's just simply a, a different way to approach it. So, um, so then okay, so you grew up kind of that way. So did you spend a lot of time like in the building, like with church people, or were you the type that was more like? I don't want to say the term rebel, but I mean, where were you at with that? Were you like were you immersed, or were you more kind of withdrawn? Yeah, yeah, no, that's good. Um, it kind of, so when we were at Prior Lake Baptist Church was, I mean, while we were in Minnesota growing up, I was in the five to 10 year old range. So that part wasn't really like, I wasn't in it at that point. Um, 
And then moving on from, from Minnesota, we went over to Maryland, which is where my dad went to the pastor's college. Um, and so that was like a, a nine-month stint. And in that time, I was, you know, 11, 12. So we had some like youth group activities, you know, or stuff like that that we would do. But even then, it wasn't necessarily like we would go to everything because my dad, like, that was obviously his his 24-7 job at that point was like, church and seminary and learning about the bible learning greek everything you know everything like that so he was fully immersed in what he was doing meanwhile during that time we were uh, occasionally attending like youth group services things like that with the other kids of the families that were in the pastor's college at the time Uh, so we gained uh, relationships with them through that time as well but there wasn't necessarily anything other than that that we were doing so uh, after that had happened, we had moved to Colorado because that was the area of the time of need after that nine-month period had wound to an end and they had all graduated. So what had happened was went to uh, Grace Community Church off of 92nd and Sheridan in the, in the relative terms of the area. And that's when we kind of started to get more and more uh, involved in the church, I would say, um, but not necessarily like super involved at the same time. Gotcha. Okay, so I'm sitting here thinking about this because the other day, um, my daughter, I have a three-year-old, uh, she comes to me and we we're talking about Jesus and she's talking about how Jesus protects her at night when she sleeps. And uh, I thought it was really endearing because yeah. at three years old, I don't remember talking about Jesus. I remember at five, but not three. Um, but she said, well, you know, where's Jesus, right. Dad? And I said, well, Jesus is in heaven. She goes, I want to be in heaven with Jesus, Dad. And I said, okay, well... There's one way that you can guarantee to go to heaven. She says, what's that, Dad? And I said, well, you got to accept Jesus. Well, can I accept Jesus then? I said, well, okay, do you want to accept him right now? She's like, yes, I do. And so at three years old, my, my youngest daughter just That's awesome. Christ. So my next question would be is, do you remember how old you were when you officially made that confession of uh, being a sinner and accepting Jesus as your Savior? You know, I can't necessarily say that I do. Uh, it was, I had a lot of different, you know, just being a pastor's kid in and of itself um, was always something that, like, looking back on, I could see that it was it was hard in certain areas, it was good in other areas, uh, but I don't necessarily have, like, a, like, come to Jesus moment, I guess you could say, during that time. Uh, I would say the first time where I really saw um, my sin and need for a Savior was... A, like in my teens, um, for sure, uh, we would have uh, summer youth retreats that we would go. Love up those, yeah, <laughs> great stuff. Uh, summer youth retreats up in the mountains for our church with all the youth students and the youth pastors, and so that was um, there were some good things that came out of that, just in terms of like seeing my need for Jesus and and how much of a sinner I am and how. Um, hopeless we are without him and so that was there were a couple of of situations and occurrences that happened where i can remember that however um i wasn't like officially baptized um and declare my faith and trust in jesus until uh senior year of high school wow yeah so okay so let me get this straight just just so i can understand and for the ones that are listening so basically, you were born into a family that the, your dad was basically already kind of pastoring a church. 
Is that right? So he was he he wasn't pastoring. Um, I would say it was more of like a an, an internship, and I might be completely wrong. Um, but from my from my recollection, um, he was like doing stuff in the church, um, going to seminary during this time. Um, but I can't recall a time of like actually hearing him preach while growing up up until um, once we got to Grace Community Church. So you were just, it was something normal for you. It wasn't out of, it wasn't odd for you that you saw Bibles around the house and you went to church. Okay, okay. And like I was telling my son the other day, a lot of times right. people don't understand um, when you're the product of your environment, for example, you take a family, let's say an Asian family, and you were to place them in Great Britain, and the children were born there and they grew up there, most likely those kids are going to have a British accent. And some people don't understand that because they're like, oh, well, they're Asian. How are they going to have a British accent? It's, it's again, I think it's back to the product of your environment. So you coming up in, the, in a family, and me as well, I came up in a family where we couldn't listen to music with the cursing or, you know, the, the bad movies or the things that, you know, my friends were okay doing. I wasn't allowed to do those things because those were not biblical or those weren't, you know, Christ-like. And, you know, so that was what I was always used to growing up. And I find it interesting, Corbin, that you said that you grew up in this environment and yet you really made a commitment to follow Jesus in your late teens. Can you kind of just touch on that briefly? Yeah, definitely. So it wasn't until then when I was actually baptized, right? And so I still, even though I was baptized, I wouldn't necessarily say that I took a big step in my walk with God. So that was where it all that was where it all kind of started in a sense, but I feel like and I feel bad admitting this, but I, f- I feel like the big part of my baptism was almost to impress my dad um, more than anything declaring my faith with God. And I think part of that could be um, the pressures of just growing up as a pastor's kid and if you were the one that wasn't baptized, you know, or having kind of like a stigma against you there. So got baptized uh, senior year of high school, but didn't necessarily do anything different in my walk of life that would be necessarily like, oh, like you're a Christian or it's obvious that you love Jesus other than just like good acts, like being nice to people, um, trying to do whatever I can to help people out things like that um so it was kind of just like a, a this like hey i did this but now i'm just gonna stick in my my normal life cycle still so and which is crazy for me because seeing like i said i grew up with a, a pastor's kid as well um and seeing the id or the ideology of being um this perfect person right the the church body will look at you and say oh well you're not allowed to do anything wrong and you're not Mm -hmm. supposed to do anything wrong and you shouldn't do anything wrong. And when I use the term wrong, um, you know, sinful nature, like we're born into sin, obviously everybody sins. um, And so that's just human nature. But what's interesting when it comes to that pedestal, that, that pastor pedestal or that pastor's kid pedestal is the fact that a lot of people have this expectation of you and when the first time you make a mistake or the first time you don't follow that protocol man i'll tell you what some big boulders get thrown 
I'm sure you've experienced that. Is there? Can you can you touch on that at oh, all? Oh yeah, no, for sure. Um, I think that was honestly probably one of the not necessarily. I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily label it a sh- struggle, but I would say that it was a annoyance. Um, we'll label it that throughout um, growing up. So we were homeschooled from uh, up until sixth grade. Um, I was homeschooled up until sixth grade. My brothers came in you know, fourth grade, you know, kindergarten, whatever it may be. Um, so my mom homeschooled the us older three boys up until like getting into junior high-ish, I would say. And so we didn't necessarily deal with anything having to do with like communicating with other kids or actually like seeing how the real world is necessarily, I would say. Um, just because, you know, we were by ourselves, you know, four four brothers five five in total um you were just your own friends so there wasn't really any necessarily a need to go and find other friends and so once we hit that stage at least for me personally um I don't want to speak for my for my brothers at all with that but it was hard because we were taught how to treat people with respect um how to treat people with kindness um treat everyone as you would want to be treated Um, So the golden rule, all that stuff. So going into school, it was extremely difficult because that's how I was. And so people started to just expect that. Um, So if there was something that I didn't do right, there would be the, oh, like, that's not normal for Corbin to do. Or uh, why did he do that? Or if people were talking about things like drugs, alcohol, parties, sex, stuff like that, it would be like, oh, Corbin, like, he's fine he would never do anything like that which was a which was a a mental hit for me at times because people would see that I'm this perfect person right however on the inside I knew that I was nothing even close to that so it was like I was putting on a facade without necessarily wanting to put on a facade Um, so it was this really difficult concept yep those labels again and so something I want to touch on is Earlier, you had said that um, you did some things just to get the approval or to impress your dad. Yeah. And so I did ministry in prison for 12 years. And the one thing I learned overall, all the things that I was um, educated on when it came to convicts and, and guys that are doing long stretches in prison was that I would say nine out of the 10 guys did things um, because they either didn't have a father figure or because their father figure came in and out of their life. They wanted to really impress them. Um, And a lot of times those impressions that they tried to uh, fulfill fell short. And so a lot of times they just fell into things like crime and, and things that got them in trouble. And I find it interesting because we as human beings that's how God designed us is he put a father. He is the father, right? Yeah, God is yeah. the father. And so when we have a lack of fathers in our home, we tend to do things that are not necessarily uh, kosher or right. And yeah. we can even do things that are not kosher or right with a dad in the household. However, it does seem that more than not, and just from experience that you tend to kind of move away from the moral code of doing the right thing um, when you don't have that um, that disciplinary accountability 
And so it's interesting, um, you know, again, talking with Corbin here uh, about different things that uh, we go through in our life. Uh, Corbin's talking about his uh, upbringing and uh, having a dad as a pastor and being a pastor's son. Uh, one question I would like to really touch on is this. So you came to Colorado. Um, you started going to public school. Uh, what grade did you start going to public school? Uh, sixth grade. Sixth grade. So up until sixth grade, you were homeschooled. Yep. And then you got to kind of experience what it's like to be in a public setting with schooling. So I'm sure that changed your perspective on a lot of things, girls and um, just all kinds of things, right? Music, yeah, sure. I'm sure, all these things. Um, and what's funny is because um, so I have a friend back home, too, who was homeschooled and one of the things that he was really um, in, like really enjoyed once he got to go to public school was getting to experience like the, the simple things like different styles of music because growing up for him his parents only allowed him to listen to a certain brand or certain kind of music so when he got into public school and all these different bands and music you know kind of started getting introduced to him he's like oh this is what this is like um, so do me a favor and, and just kind of touch a little bit on um, if you would, uh, just some of the things that as you got into the more of the public domain, what were some things that you felt might have um, maybe like created more temptation for you over, you know, things that you didn't really know about up until that point? So it, it I would say it kind of obviously girls were a part of it, you know, um, growing up with four brothers and uh, you don't if you're homeschooled, you know, you're pretty much at home the whole time. So there wasn't any necessarily any um, communication with any other girls other than church and, and youth groups, but uh, maybe not girls that you'd want to talk to, per se, let's say that. Um, so that was one factor for sure, you know, just um, being around n not necessarily just other people, but then once you add girls into that factor, then obviously that can um, become an issue. Uh, I would say another thing would be music. Uh, that was definitely a, a big factor that, that played into it to the point where there would be times, and I remember these times of like listening to songs and then maybe like playing them on a speaker or something like that. And my dad comes home and then it's like, well, what are you listening to? Uh, so there were definitely times like that that I can remember of, or even just like uh, singing a song back, like not even playing it, but just like singing the song and like questions coming out from that not necessarily in the sense of like hey you can't do that but more in the terms of like um and this is coming from from my parents um but more in the terms of like hey guard your heart be careful because these things are dangerous um more in that sense were there any bands or any music that your parents forbid you to listen to they didn't no not in i wouldn't say that they did because like I, I mean, at this point, this is when Pandora was big. So I had my own Pandora account, but there wasn't like any limitations or like, hey, let me check what you're listening to. Um, they had that trust. And my dad made it a point to instill this in us. Like he wanted to lead us in our journey with God as much as possible. But then he also told us, and especially as we got older, that he wanted us to, he knew that no matter what he did, it was our personal decision and choice to follow God. So he could lay those foundation and building blocks, but at the end of the day, it was our choice of whether or not we wanted to do that. And that's cool because free will is something that you know, the Bible talks about, you know, having that decision to make to follow Jesus and being a kid in a conservative family. Growing up for me, one of the things that I was 
absolutely forbidden uh, to do was to play with guns in any way, shape, or form. We couldn't play with plastic guns. We couldn't watch movies. We couldn't do anything that had any kind of re resemblance to uh, weapons. And what's crazy is that guns don't kill people. People using guns kill people. Guns are inanimate objects that, um, for the right purpose, can use uh, be used for protection. And so it was hard to really understand that because all the kids around me growing up, you know, they had the, the plastic guns and everybody was G.I. Joe. And I always had to be the Indian and Cowboys and Indians, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> um, so it was interesting, too, because... Um, you know, with the music thing too, growing up, and I, I didn't even grow up as a pastor's kid, but I grew up with that idea that um, people were always watching me. People were always judging me, whether it was from the church or from, you know, from the world. And so I had to be very careful, and this is coming from my parents, I had to be very careful in what styles of music. Now, I grew up in the, you know, late 80s, early 90s, so I'm a little bit older than Corbin. Um, but we had, you know, the cassette tape, we had the radio, so we had a little bit uh, of a less access to uh, the secular styles of music. Um, but I promise you this, there were plenty of kids in my neighborhood that would put on a Guns N' Roses record or a Kiss record or a Metallica record. Um, and when we weren't around our parents, boy, I'll tell you what, that play button got wore <laughs> out. Um, and I'll tell you this right now, too. Uh, what's interesting is that you know, going to church, you know, I went to church seven days a week. I don't know if you've ever experienced having to spend every single day at church. No. Um, okay. No. Okay. See, I, I went to church every day because I went to school at church. And then gotcha, we had Wednesday gotcha. night yep. youth group. Then we had Saturday night youth group. Then we had Sunday all day church. And then back to Monday. Um, so what's interesting, too, is that I believe that the church the way that the ideology of church has, has kind of uh, evolved. Um, so how do you feel as far as like, because you said you grew up in a church where it was more formal, where you were suit and tie, um, and it was, everything was really formal. Do you, so I guess the better question is, do you go to church currently? Yes. Okay. And the church that you go to, and you don't have to say where you're going if you don't want to, but the church that you're going to now, is it a, is it a formal style? Is it a more of kind of a come as you are feel and just you know Christ accepts you as who you are kind of thing it's definitely more of the the come as you are feel it's it's Highlands Baptist Church so it's just pretty much right down the road from from Grace Community Church uh, but my roommates go there so I was kind of uh, church hunting let's say because um, I was going to the well which is down in Boulder obviously that's like a 40 minute drive and now almost like an hour drive um, since since I moved so went there with them just because you know it was it was a convenience factor but it is definitely it is i think it's more along the side of non-denominational even though it's labeled as highlands baptist church so i know some people who get hooked on the idea of denomination based on uh, what church they go to so you go to a baptist church you go to a lutheran church so on and so forth but i'm going to say this first and foremost i believe jesus christ is my lord and savior he died for my sins and he's coming back Amen. And he's probably coming back sooner than we think. Um, but I'm going to say this. What I loved um, about growing up the way that I grew up was that even though I knew that as a person who lives in a world of sinful nature, that I could always come to the cross. I could always bring yeah. my, my mm -hmm. problems, my issues 
to God and, and, and lay them at his feet. And there was always that, um, that feeling, that, that support, that it was there. And knowing that my parents believed and taught me how to believe and taught me how to, how to read and teach me what scripture was talking about. And that was really important because recently Angela and I attended a funeral of this man, a family friend who uh, was loved by hundreds, if not thousands of people. The man had 500 plus people at his funeral, which that's the first funeral I've ever been to with that many people. Um, the reason I bring this up is because he was a man of faith. He had a heart for the king. He had a heart to serve. Uh, he was humble. He had a, a loving, compassionate family. And uh, during the, uh, the eulogy, um, one of the guests or one of the friends of, of, this, of this man got up and started to talk about this man in, the, you know, in, in his life. And he posed a question to all the men in the room. He said, do your children, for those that have them, know what your favorite scripture is? And it made me ponder that question for an entire day because there are a lot of scriptures that I would say that I like, but there is one scripture that, or one chapter of scripture that is my favorite, which is Hebrews 11.1. 1. And I say one only because it starts in, in, in verse one, but it says that faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things unseen. And that entire chapter in the book of Hebrews has stories about different people with faith. So real quick, do you have a favorite scripture, Corbin? While you were talking about that, um, I was thinking about it. One of the things that I'm trying to focus on right now in my current walk of faith is scripture memory, actually. And so that's that's something that I that's that I'm currently working on. Uh, I off the top of my head right now, um, and just talking about what you were um, currently talking about. Um, I do like Romans eight one for there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, and that is just a, a powerful verse, just because it shows how how we as Christians like there is forgiveness. Like we we cannot be perfect, and it is the the blood of Christ that even gives us the hope for uh, salvation and eternity with Jesus in heaven one day. And so that is something that I can fall back on um, when I am in a rough patch, you know, or I have been going through a period of sin is that we are not called to be perfect because Christ died for us. If there wasn't any, if there wasn't the cross, if it wasn't for the resurrection, we would have no hope. Amen. Um, and so that, that among plenty of other verses, that is one that, that I definitely fall back on the most. See, that's a great scripture. And you had touched on the idea of memorizing scripture or remembering scripture. And um, I've been reading the Bible. I'm 42 years old. I've been reading the Bible since, I mean, I can remember I got saved when I was five years old. I was standing in church accepting Jesus. And I've been reading the Bible that whole time. Obviously not consistently. But definitely uh, enough to where I can remember scriptures. But there are so many things that I have learned reading different scriptures or the same scripture a dozen times. And that 10th or 11th time reading it really starts to impact me, the rhema of word. You know, being in my age group, you know, it's funny because there's different... Um, you got the King James Version. You've got the New Living Translation. I currently have a King James Version laying on my keyboard here. 
and uh, I've got a life application upstairs and I love to study both because they both give different uh, dialogue of the same right. thing in a different format of language and um, something that was, I was sitting here thinking about is you know what's funny is um, in our current state we're currently dealing with the war over in Russia and Ukraine and millions of Ukrainians are fleeing and they're saying how even though these people are uh, fleeing their own country that the the body of believers in the Ukraine are pretty much staying intact and when I say intact you know a lot of times um, you'll see people when um, things come upon them whether it's calamity or sickness or you know war sinful nature flee um, a lot of times the religious beliefs um, they'll just run away from them and so what's like I said interesting is that a lot of these uh, you know Christians in Ukraine you know they're they're embracing the fact that the Bible says that this would happen and so I find it interesting too that when we here in America something you know some tragedy hits us and a lot of times the first thing that um, people will do and I don't say all people I definitely not all people but some people will they they want to blame God they want to say oh well if God was real then this wouldn't happen if God loved us then he wouldn't allow this to happen and the scripture says that the rain falls on the just and the unjust alike and I believe that God loves us and throughout scripture it proves it and there's opportunities that God gives us to uh deny our sinful nature can you think of some things maybe that you could discuss that might touch on that a little bit from when you were a kid yeah definitely um yeah so let's let's start on a let, let's start on abstinence um just because we had um talked about that a little bit behind the scenes um so when we were all 13 um my dad brought us uh each and every one of us on a, a certain like excursion or trip let's say um, for me, it was, we went up to the mountains, um, went on a hike, a little cool get, like weekend getaway, and then um, had an overnight stay at a hotel and then just kind of hung out the rest of the day. It was kind of, you know, just a, a man-to-man talk um, in a sense, even though I'm only 13, so I wouldn't have, would not consider myself a man at that point. Um, but it was, the whole underlying theme was um, an introduction into sex basically you know and and how those things work um and then at the end of it we were all given purity rings um and so what it was is just a, a declaration of you know of abstinence in and of itself and i'm gonna refrain from having sex until i'm married and that was that was one um expectation that's put on me um and one that i've held um until this day obviously there have been times of of severe temptation in areas where I could have um, dropped into that, but um, have held on to it thus far. Um, and so I'd say that is the, the biggest example there of, you know, like the expectation that is set on you. Um, I think another one, and I think given, given the situations of, of how my parents were raised, um, not to say that they were bad in any way, shape or form, but my my dad's father or my grandpa was a or still is an evangelist um so traveling the country church every night 
And so that was how he was raised, was church, 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 church. Um, it was the same uh, idea as uh, like with Baptists. So it was extremely dressy, you know, every single night wearing a, a suit and tie, that kind of idea there. And so that's how my dad grew up. Um, and I think that he definitely, and he's even told me this before, that there was a lot of things that he wasn't aware of or wasn't educated on that would have helped him a lot if his dad had noticed those and actually taken the time to kind of like lead him into those things a little bit more rather than just like a obliteration of like, oh, like this is what this is like. Uh, and so that was how my dad was brought up. My mom was brought up um, in, a, in a little bit of a different sense, um, kind of the same thing, Baptist church, going to church all the time. And that's how my parents actually met was at a, um, a summer camp, I believe. Love those. Um, but yeah, <laughs> so that's, uh, that's how that kind of transpired. And um, obviously that was God's plan in, in, in its own way. And so, but what they did was they didn't bring all those values that they grew up on to us, which I think was a really good thing. And so there would be times, um, and this was something that my dad would always try to do was, um, my mom is an extremely good cook. Um, anything she Shout makes out to mom, money. by the way. <laughs> yeah. Um, but even though, um, even like with that being said, uh, my dad would encourage us, um, obviously not like overusing it, but if she made something good, which is pretty much every night, it would be like, oh, mom, that was some damn good soup or something like that, you know, and he would, he would encourage us to do that. And I think that was something that was, that was extremely helpful as well was to not necessarily put such a bad stigma on swear words, you know, or cuss words. Like, it's okay if you do say those because there's so many times as Christians where certain things will come up and we will just shut somebody out because of it. Or it'll be like, hey, you had sex before marriage. I now view you as a lower person than myself. Um, and I think that that, what he was trying to do there, I think was, at least that's, that's my thought was that he was trying to like lessen the stigma there of certain things that that Christians or as religious people as a whole view as bad if my grandpa um and let's let's bring this to, to alcohol as well um my dad would you know have a beer every other night you know or occasionally like a beer a week or something like that so we would have beer in the fridge um and there were times where my grandparents would come over and they would look in the fridge and see beer and it would be like the worst thing ever, you know? Um, and so to the point where they'd actually have like talks with them, like you shouldn't be drinking alcohol. You shouldn't be drinking alcohol in front of your kids. Um, but that was something that my dad is like, he's fine with and he's secure in that of like, Hey, like drinking alcohol is not a bad thing. It can become a bad thing when you start to get into getting drunk, you know? And when you actually lose your senses and when you're making poor decisions, poor decisions because of those things um so like alcohol was never something that was held from us um going back to you talking about guns and stuff like that like we had airsoft guns all the time and you know so there was there were definitely like obviously there are those stigmas that are there but there were a lot of things i think that my parents did that that especially with like all boys you know was, was just like hey like let's let's introduce this to them and i think alcohol was a big one um, yeah, definitely the big introduction one. of it early helps to not make it like because a lot of kids and I say this because um, one of my brothers has a like a, a great example of this of a 
um, a kid that lives in his house who was like pastor's kid, grew up, family wouldn't let him have alcohol, hit college, and boom, it was just like getting drunk every night, like really bad situation. Um, whereas I think for, for our situation, it was like, like I don't know when exactly it started, but it would just be like, hey, like, like that's fine if you have a sip of this. Or like we would ask like, hey, can I have a sip of your beer? Yeah, sure. But it was to the point then where it was like, oh, like, this is fine, you know, and it's not a taboo thing where it's like, oh, we get to this point. And now it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's let's have a beer. Let's have a beer. Um, so I think they did a good job of really like introducing things early. There were some other things that I think could have been touched on a little bit more, um, which I can go into as well. But uh, yeah, I think those are like the, the big stigmas there. Um, that I would say that that really existed in our lives. Talking to Corbin here, that's a, a really good perspective, man. I know uh, as a man myself, and uh, just one of the things that we have always discussed in men's group and just individual time is uh, that struggle with uh, the pornography. I mean, let's be honest, King David, like that was his big fall. So, and I mean, even Jesus dealt with temptation. When you look at scripture, and for me, growing up, and even as an adult, I have dealt with this um, my whole life where I make a mistake, whether it's a cuss word or I do something out of anger. And um, you've got those certain religious-minded people that will just throw the gavel at you, just hit you over the head. And one thing that I've learned over the years from the wise older men and the wise older women is that without grace, we'd all be dead. In fact, in Romans, it talks about uh, the wages of sin is death. And we as believers, we get to have grace when we make mistakes. Now, that doesn't mean you just go out and sin and then you get to go and, you know, seek forgiveness, knowing that while you were sinning, oh, I'm just going to go get forgiveness because the Bible specifically talks about those things, too. But, you know, introducing the things so they're not taboo, like you talked about um, having a drink. Um, or your, your dad had a beer in the, in the refrigerator and your grandparents came over and they saw it and they're like, <gasps> you know, oh no, it's not light beer, right? And so, you know, it's interesting because, you know, growing up, my, my parents didn't really drink a lot either, but it wasn't, it, it wasn't a bad thing to have beer. It just wasn't one of those things that my parents indulged in as kids. Um, now, there were times, you know, we'd go to a picnic or something with family and my dad might have a beer or something like that, but it wasn't a focal point. So it was never something for me uh, that I really like was like, oh, no, when I get old enough, I have to try this. What I did find out, though, was when I got older was that my grandfather on my mom's side was a raging alcoholic and used to drink a case of beer a night. And so knowing that as an adult, that really hindered my desire to really seek that out in that regard. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say that I have not uh, indulged in other things that were sinful in nature. However, the one thing that I learned, and this is something that I learned um, sometimes the hard way, was that even though there's grace and mercy in our sinful nature, and even though people put expectations on us, we as individuals have that free will to make a choice in our life. Whether we grow up in the church and we decide to live an atheistic lifestyle, or we grow up in a non-believing household and 
we meet Jesus and we get on fire for God and we follow Christ the rest of our life. Whatever decision a person makes, I really feel that God has given that to us as individuals, whether we come from this stigma of pastor's kid or stigma of, oh, your parents were drug dealers and, you know, losers and, you know, you can't be anything other than that. Those types of stigmas um, that are placed on people, you know, those things I'm reminded of in scripture when it talks about the chains are broken. You know, Christ breaks that slavery of, of sin off of us when we walk with him and follow him. And so, you know, I got to thank my man Corbin today. Um, he's really just given me some insight as to um, things that he has kind of dealt with in his life, you know, in a, in a nutshell. And I, I really appreciate the candor because, you know, a lot of times people... You know, they might shy away from questions about themselves, um, but I really appreciate you being honest today. And um, so my last question for you for today is this, you know, in a nutshell, where do you see yourself in the next five years? What do you see or how do you feel God's going to use you um, in the direction that you're currently headed in 2022? And so what was really I was seeing through all of that was that what I was going towards wasn't going to bring me happiness. Um, sure, it could bring money and all those different things, but if it's affecting you mentally, spiritually, then none of that stuff matters. And so what I've really come to come to find out is that what I want to be doing in the next, like for the rest of my life, and especially over the next five years for that matter, would be really focusing on whatever I do, obviously do it to the best of my ability, but really emphasizing and focusing on serving people, serving others, and seeing how I can make an impact in their life. Um, and that's just no matter where I end up. Um, if I end back up in Minnesota, if I stay out here in Colorado, um, whatever the cards are, I know that God's in control. Um, and so Amen. the big thing that I have to do is just follow that. Um, and with that being said as well, I just want to take a time to, to plug a book really quick here um it's called coronavirus in christ um by john piper have you heard of it at all no i mean i know who john piper is but yeah. no i haven't heard the book yeah dude he is he's amazing and um over the last couple of months especially has been when my uh my relationship with god and really my my fire for him has really has gotten to it's the biggest peak that it's ever been at um, and obviously there's still times where I falter or anything like that. I'm not where even close to a perfect person, nor will I ever will be. Um, but in that book, he really, he really emphasizes where is our rock? You know, are we building our house on rock or are we building it on sand with Christ being that rock? Um, and just to, just to plug it into as well with the, with COVID and with the war that's going on in Ukraine and everything like that, and the endless possibilities of things that could happen in the future. Um, to put the book in a nutshell is no matter what happens, God is in control of it. Um, and as Christians, that is really where we can be a shining light is because when everybody's worried about stuff and they don't have Christ in their life and they don't have him to fall back on, there's always going to be doubts. There's going to be those conspiracy theories that come up. They need to find a reason, a why behind what's going on. Um, but with God and, and Jesus, and we know as Christians that our final destination is heaven, we don't have anything to be worried about. 
Um, obviously, with that being said, we don't want to just be like careless and, you know, like, oh, I don't care what's going on in the world right now. But we have that hope and that that the, the, the hope of the future of, of heaven. And so we don't have to be worried about what happens next because we know that that God is God is sovereign. He's in control. Um, Amen. And, and no matter what happens in, in our lives and in the world, that is the end all be all. So that is that's another big thing that I've really been really been seeing the need of especially in our our the current events that are happening in the world you know there's there's so much going on so much uncertainty in the world um but we can really fall back on that so um yeah to put to put that whole thing into a summary i mean over the next five years um my hope would be marriage if that's in if that's in god's plan for me um, and then just to, to really focus on the relationships with those around me, seeing how I can impact and influence them. And then on top of that, really just diving into the word of God um, more than I ever have before, trying to really increase my relationship with God. And then on, just as, a, as kind of a, a backup to that, just reading books, um, theology, you know, anything that I can get my hands on um, by John Piper, <laughs> you know, because those are always, those are always amazing. Um, but just really trying to in- increase my relationship with God, um, because I think that, I mean, obviously that is the, the end all be all, and then everything else kind of stems out from there. Talking to my man Corbin here, TKA Brigade. Man, I want I want to thank you, Corbin, for coming in today and uh, and sharing your heart with me, man. Uh, I enjoyed this conversation with you, and yeah, I thanks would for love me. to um, maybe in a year or two uh, catch up again and maybe uh, update where you're at with your uh, with your walk. And for sure, for sure, know, I, I have to say this, man. Um, you know, you inspire me, bro, because I look at you and I, I look at decisions that you're making and that you've made and just things that I've seen. Um, you know, behind the scenes, and I, I gotta say, man, you're a solid dude, bro. Like, being honest, this cat is solid, and and I love the fact that, uh, you know, we all glory, amen, God, amen, amen, <laughs> amen for that. I love that, see, because you know, being transparent in your walk, being transparent in your life, and being honest, um, to yourself, and 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 knowing that we are imperfect beings, um, but we serve a perfect God, and so. Um, again, I want to thank you. I'd like to end, I would try to end all my podcasts with a, with a quick prayer. So I'd like to pray with you and then, uh, yeah, uh, we'll call it good today. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for my young brother here. Thank you for his heart to share and his transparency and Lord, just seeing the integrity in him and, and knowing that you've got some major, major work for him. That's a good thing in his life and the things that he's going to do and, and how he's going to impact the kingdom. So, Father, we pray a blessing over him. Father, we ask for favor in his life, God. We pray that you move uh, in him in a way that people continue to see that so profoundly, Father, that they cannot deny your existence, Father. And I pray that for Corbin as he continues to grow in his walk, as he continues to grow in, in what he's doing, Lord, that you continue to bless him and, and, and open doors for him and move. And uh, we thank you, Father. We praise you, Lord Jesus. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.